0: It's an introduction to our Easter series that my hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. You saw it. Good. I know we always, sometimes when the music ends, we're getting organized and getting our drinks set and getting our notes ready. But hope has a name, and his name is Jesus. And that's what we want to introduce throughout the upcoming weeks leading up to Easter and our services connected together. I do believe there's a very high percentage of people in this room right now or watching live stream who would say, yes, I know Jesus. And if you do know Jesus, I I'm, I'm then would say there's a number, a large population here that would say, I know hope. And you would respond and say, because hope is connected with Jesus. Jesus brings hope. But let me ask this Are there people around you throughout your week? Maybe they work next to you. Maybe you interact with them regularly. Uh, Maybe it's family members and they don't have hope. There's people in your world around you and you can see it. You can hear it in the words they express. You can just tell in the countenance of the weight that they look like they're carrying every week. And you say, Oh, that person just needs hope. The question for you to ask is Do they know Jesus? Do they know the source of hope? Because Jesus is the one who comes to bring hope. If we really know Jesus, then we can really know hope. And because with Jesus shining out hope, it is for all the world to see. Not just for you, but for anyone who works around you, lives around you, is in your neighborhood. Over these services that are leading up to Easter, we're going to be bringing to you names that describe Jesus or statements that are declared about him or he declares about himself. And in those statements, they will reveal why Jesus is the source of hope. Hope has a name. And that's something that's common for, in com- that we have in common with each other, isn't it? Every one of us has a name. I could look around and call out your names right now and say the names of those I see here right now, but that's something we all have. We all have a name. But I remember being uh, younger as a kid, and I would compare my name to my school friend's name, and I like their names better. And I wondered why my parents didn't name me one of those cool names like Mike or Steve or John. I just wanted to be a John. There was not many Bryans in the room. But it wasn't until later on that I found out what my name meant. And then it started to settle in with me and saying, oh no, this is this has got purpose. My I think it was one of my parents, probably my mom, gave me a book um, book mark and it had my name on it. Remember those? And my name, Brian, meant virtuous and strong. I had no idea what virtuous meant, but strong I could get into. I'm like, oh yeah, that's who I'll be. When I found out what virtuous meant, I'm like, oh, ah, okay, mom and dad. It wasn't until I, as I understood that they named me because they liked the name, and when I responded to say, no, I love them not because what they'll give to me, but I love them because they're my parents, that the whole meaning of name went deeper. Hope has a name. There's many people in our world that come and go all around us that are very similar to us, but with one significant difference. They don't know the name that hope can be found in. I was sitting at my kitchen table yesterday and looking out the front window, and there's a house across the street from us It's for sale. They had an open house yesterday, open house, and there were people coming and going. And as people came and went, I was watching them all, and I thought, wow, look at how similar we all are. All their pant legs had two legs to them. <laughs> All their sweaters either went over their head or zipped up the middle. (laughs) I'm looking at the hats they're wearing. I'm like, we're so similar in so many ways. Except for if we don't know the name of hope. You see, because we live and work with people, that their world begins to cave in when something heavy sets on them. You and I, who are people of faith, who put our faith in Jesus, who is hope, walk and handle things in such a different way because there is something that we carry within us. It's hope. It's eternal. It's life. This morning I want to bring us to a statement that Jesus proclaims about himself that actually was something that he spoke out to the people who were around him that brought hope to their situation. It's about a woman who Jesus was brought before Jesus. Turn to John chapter 8. And this woman's situation was really hopeless for her. She was being convicted of a sin that she had committed, and the outcome of it was going to mean her death. So there was no hope in this situation for her. Until she came face to face with who Jesus truly is. Come to John chapter 8. And I want to start at the very beginning of the chapter. I'm actually going to start at the last verse of chapter 7. And if you read in your Bible, some have a description here saying these verses actually weren't even recorded in the original scriptures. But as you study and other theologians highlight that this account was so often repeated that its legitimacy for that reason was included in scripture. And it fits right in with the character and ways that God worked with people and in people's lives. So chapter 7 verse 53 Then each went to his own house, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him and sat down to teach them. Let me pause for a moment. Three Sundays ago, I came and brought a message on prayer. Do you remember what the title of that message was? Oh, everybody's thinking it's a rhetorical question. Okay, I'll let you sit at that, all right? The message was entitled, Conversations with God. Remember, I talked about prayer and conversations with God, and we studied to look to see what kind of conversations did Jesus have with the Father. And I said, sometimes he went out in the wilderness, sometimes he went on the mountaintops. Well, right here in our text, did you see it? It says, when Jesus went, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, do you think he was hungry for olives? I think he was going to spend some time with the Father. Because early the next morning at dawn, he went to the temple courts to teach. I believe he was coming away from a time with the Father and receiving the wisdom that he would need for the moment. And who he was going to encounter, who was going to be brought before him, was definitely he wanted to have heavenly wisdom on how to respond. Verse 3. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. And the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. Let's pause again. Context, you're seeing here a woman caught in adultery, dragged before Jesus. Now we see these religious, self-righteous called people, they were coming and they were dragging one saying, this is a sinner. Why didn't they drag the man who was involved in the affair as well? You can see that they had a bit of a scheme, a plan. They were up to something. John reveals that this was a trap. They were going to try and trap Jesus and they thought, let's see if we can kill two birds with one affair. Let's see if we can take out the woman who committed a sin and let's see if we can trap Jesus because if he doesn't agree with the law of Moses, then we've got him caught here and we can lynch him for sure. So that's some of the conniving that is happening in the context of what we see unfolding. Let's read on. But Jesus went down, bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept questioning him, he straightened up and he said to them, If any one of you is without sin, let him be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. So picture this unfolding. Picture you're in the crowd. Maybe you're not the Pharisees. But you're there observing what's happening. You see this unfold. And you start to think about the emotion the woman is feeling in this moment. When she is brought before her peers and before religious leaders and teachers and and as this is unfolding, you hear this accusation and think, well, there's no getting out of this. Like, she, is, she committed sin and, and, and is guilty of it. And so what is going to unfold? And then you watch Jesus bend down to the ground, and, and he's starting to write something on the ground. And John says, while he was writing on the ground, they kept peppering him with questions. Peppering him with, maybe they were saying Jesus, do you believe in the law of Moses? Jesus, what are you going to do with her? You can't let her get away with this sin. Who's going to be the first to cast a stone? We don't know the questions, but they continued to come at him. Then he stood up and he said to them all, addressed them all and said, If any of you is without sin, any of you, It's like in that moment, he was addressing those who were the accusers, the jury, the judge, the executioners, right there before him. And it was like he was saying, there is only one lawgiver and one judge. The one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? It's like he was saying that. I'm quoting James chapter 4 verse 12. James the half brother of Jesus who would have observed watched Jesus listen maybe observed some situations just like this his statement and his actions implied something to the to the accusers that day but we read read that he then after the questions after stating that stooped down and began to write again at this those who heard began to go away one at a time the older ones first, until Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No, sir, she said, no one. Then neither do I condemn you. Jesus declared, go now and leave your life of sin he asked the woman the very obvious thing he already knew. You know, he could have looked up from the ground and checked out. He heard the stones drop to the ground, and he knew that they were walking away because he knew in that moment they were being convicted by truth, by the spirit of truth. And Jesus' response in, in asking her, have, have your accusers left? Has no one condemned you? And he responded the same, then neither do I. Go But leave your life of sin behind. Go one more verse to verse 12. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said this about himself. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, we don't know if John, if this event happened right immediately after. It seems like people dispersed, and probably the temple teaching was done for the day because nobody else wanted to question Jesus. But in a short period of time, whether it was the next day or whenever it was, Jesus is again addressing the same group of Pharisees, religious, self-righteous people. And he says to that crowd once again on the tales following up from this event, I am the light of the world. I am. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. In other words, go and leave your life of sin. But whoever walks in me has the light of life. I'm here to bring you this statement, this word about Jesus, that Jesus is the light of the world. And as he shines in this world, he brings hope to every one of us. And that's why we want to come and say hope has a name. His name is Jesus, who is the light of the world. This woman's sins were brought before everyone, and the light was shone on them, but she stayed humble in that moment. She wasn't there to say, no, no, I didn't do this. They're all liars. She wasn't blaming back. She knew she was convicted of sin. But in that moment, she received from the light of life the forgiveness of her sin. In that moment... Her accusers also had the light shone on them. The light was shone on their motives, their judgment against her, their attempt to invoke the wrath of God on her and on Jesus who in all his claimings. But in that moment, the light exposed what was false. And those who, had, who were false had to scatter and flee from the light. You see, friends, the light of life brings forgiveness, not condemnation. Amen? For God so loved the world that whoever believes in him will not perish but will have everlasting life. Jesus said, I have come into the world. God sent me into this world not to condemn the world but to save the world. John chapter 3 verse 17. The truth, the light of Christ comes not to condemn but to save and to forgive. With the light of Christ comes conviction of sin. Oh, the woman knew she was guilty of her sin. But with the Holy Spirit convicting her of her sin also comes hope. There is hope to be forgiven. There is hope to have life. There is hope that my life is not over right now. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever walks in me does not walk in darkness anymore. We don't look for excuses now. Well, we've got eternal assurance. I'm going to go to heaven so I can just live however I want. No. Jesus says, if you are in me, you have the light. And you choose not to walk in the darkness any longer. Jesus is the light. Let me give you the second point this morning. Still comes out of the same author, but it's his first epistle. So 1 John chapter 1. And the second point is that God is the light. Jesus is the light, God is light. 1 John 1, verse 5. This is the message we heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him, there's no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship in him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. I'm so thankful as I read this truth that this is not just a one-off truth. It's affirmed other places within scripture that God is light. It reminds me of the book of Revelation, the very last chapter, 22, that says in heaven, in the kingdom of heaven, there will be no darkness. There will be no light. Why? Why? Because the presence of God is there, and He is going to be light itself. He's going to be the source of light. This is why God is bigger than sometimes we can wrap our mind around. He's going to be shedding all the light we need for all eternity. The Pharisees thought they were close to God until they were exposed to the truth of the light of Christ. And then they realized where their theories fell short. Verse 7 here, this is what it says in the Amplified Version. But if we really walk in the light, that is, if we live each and every day in conformity with the precepts of God, as he himself is in the light, we have true, unbroken fellowship with one another. If we truly walk in the light, as he is in the light, we will have fellowship with one another. Because the light, the truth, the presence, the hope found in Christ can bring us together in unity. It's the enemy that keeps trying to pry us apart and divide us and throw things between us so that we cannot walk together. From these verses, it also looks like that our lights could fade a little. Because the Amplified Version said, if we really walk in the light, if we stay true to the light, if we let our little light shine. (laughs) Remember Jesus saying that in Matthew 5? When a light is lit, Jesus said, we don't hide it under a bowl or a bushel. No, it's supposed to be exposed and held up so it can do its part in in lighting up all the way around it. But it seems like maybe we can hide our light a little and put it away and, and, and not be as predominant for others to see. But when that happens, then we start to cater instead to the light, we cater to maybe more of a darkness, more of a a heaviness. And then all of a sudden something starts to come between us, whether it's our family, whether it's our team, whether it's our workplace, something comes between us, and it's not light that's coming, but it's something that's coming to divide us and keep us from having true, unbroken koinonia. The Greek word in the text for fellowship is koinonia. Every time I read verses like this, it hits me right square on that it relates to us as the church. We are koinonia. We are to be the fellowship of Christ together. Can I get any agreement to that? Or am I standing here alone? Are you with me? All right. Jesus is the light of life and brings hope to us. But there is a very real enemy that wants to stop us from having koinonia that wants to prevent us from letting the light shine from us, that wants to stop us from even holding on to the light of the world because it will bring hope to us on our worst days. Do you know that? There is an enemy at work to divide. The world, church, needs to see the light of Jesus. Let me hear you. The world needs to see the light of Jesus, the forgiveness of God. They need to see The forgiveness of Jesus, not the self-righteousness of the law hammered over them. They need to see and hear the heart of Christ coming to them, just like this woman did. She needed to meet with Jesus and experience the hope that he could offer. Let me take us back to John's, the recordings of John. Go to John chapter 1 now. And in John chapter 1, right at the beginning, we read, In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. We know Word, capital W, is referring to Jesus. In the beginning was Jesus, and Jesus was with God, and Jesus was God. Now come to verse 4. In Him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. I'm so thankful for how Scripture continues to be consistent in bringing to us the truth that Christ came in the beginning and he is the light of life. He is the light to shine in the darkness. He is so powerful as that light that there is no more darkness. Darkness needs to flee. I remember hearing a definition of light. Definition of light is the absence of darkness. Because the two can't exist at the same time. Wherever there's darkness, when light comes into it, then the darkness fades away. If the light is let to go out, darkness prevails and moves in. Light it lights up wherever it is and whoever it's within. And I believe that light was lighting up this woman from John chapter 8. She was grateful for the source of light, the source of hope that came into her life in that very moment. But on that day, we see that the religious law keepers were not so fond of the light, and they're the ones that scattered and ran off. So let me ask you some applicable questions here. When do we not want to see light? When is it that we don't want to see light? If there's any teenagers in the room, you'd say, uh, Monday to Friday, anytime before 9 (laughs) a.m., I don't want to see the light. (laughs) You know, we know what it's like to have our eyes closed for a period of time, and then you open your eyes, and then you've got you to adjust to the light, right? When we've had our eyes closed or blinded for a while, it's, it's hard to look in the light again. Maybe it's when we're hiding something. We don't want to see the light. We don't want anyone else to know about this over here. Oh, tax season's coming up. We'll just keep that hidden back here. No, that wouldn't be you guys, thankfully, No. Or maybe we ourselves want to hide from the light. Do you ever feel that way when you go into a room? When you go into a space where people are that know you and you're like, oh, I just don't want them to ask me about this. If there's anything I could just hide away or keep secret here, I don't want it exposed. Or maybe when we know we've sinned and we don't want it brought into the light. Like think of this woman, when she knew she had sinned, in this moment, the feeling she had exposed before everyone. And sometimes at that moment when we realize we've messed up, and it happens. It can be something we said arrogantly to our spouse. It can be something that we thought, oh, I'll just cover this up and my boss won't worry. And, and then you realize, I, actually, I think I just lied right there. What do I do now? And this voice comes to us and says, don't do anything about it. Just, it'll, it'll go by. Just leave it there. Nobody's going to find out about this. That lie is not God. Because if we turn and respond and say, No, I think I should really tell somebody. Really? You think you should admit that you made a mistake? You think you should admit that you've been covering it up this long? You call yourself a Christian? Look at you. you don't, you're not worthy to even work here. You don't even think about going to church on Sunday because there's no hope for you. Where does that voice come from? That doesn't come from the light of the world. It doesn't come from the light of life. That is the enemy trying to snuff out your light and silence you in this way. What happens when the world is lacking light? This morning when you got up, you opened your eyes and just saw the effects of the light being gone for six to seven hours. And all of a sudden, everything's frozen over again, right? Yeah, when light is removed, when it's the source of warmth is removed, things start to get cold and they start to freeze up. We know that our scientists tell us that if the sun were just a little bit further away from the earth, if the rotation was just turned slightly different, that earth would freeze up as we know it. The absence of life can freeze up and kill things. When light is lacking in our world, we begin to crave vitamin D and trips to Florida, You know, so we start talking about, oh, I need some Florida right now, some sunshine. We even start when light is absent for too long. We it begins to affect our mood. We can see it setting in. When there's no light, there can be no sight. Have you heard the expression when it's so dark? It was so dark I couldn't see my hand in front of my face. Have you used that before? No light, no sight. That's what happens when the light is gone from our world. Anytime there's a power outage in our neighborhoods, isn't, isn't it odd to look down the street and streetlights aren't on? Hey, the neighbor's house isn't on. Um, it just looks, when light is missing, you know something is wrong in the situation. Because when light is missing in our world, deception starts to move in and take advantage. Thieves start to say, This is my opportunity. Nobody can see me now. Looting starts to happen. And then fear starts to set in for everybody. Because we can hear voices and we can hear things going on. But we can't see what's happening. And so it's all sudden amplified. When light is missing, fear gets amplified in our ears. You know what also happens when light is missing too long? We begin to blame the lack of light for our situation. I'm in this problem situation because there was no lights. Hey, how did you end up in the ditch? Well, my lights went out and I drove off the road. It was my light's fault. (laughs) And we begin to blame and accuse that it's the light's problem and the fault of why I'm in this situation. Isn't it funny how things turn just when light is missing? When is it then that we want the light? When do we crave and welcome the light? Well, it could be when we are lost and we can't find our way. When Have you ever been in a time period like that where it's whether it's in a, I don't know what better what situation it would be in, but where you can't find your way to see to get to where you need to go? That's when you want the light. When you're, maybe it's when you're searching for something valuable that you've lost. Just give me a light. Turn my light on. Let me see if I can find what's been lost. We want the light when we need to light up our path because we don't want to stumble on what's before us, we want to see so we can take clear and visible steps in the direction we're going. We want light to light up the darkness so we can go forward into all that God has in store for us. Church, do you know anybody in need of light right now? Do you know anybody in need of hope right now? God may be positioning you to be the source of bringing that light into the world, To bringing that answer of hope. Maybe it's because of what you have gone through. That you've been in this spot before, but now you got the light and you bring it out. And you can help them see hope in the midst of their situation. We, church, are the light to this world. We are the light to the world. Paul tells us this in 1 Thessalonians. But we're reminded of it by Jesus, we're reminded by Paul, reminded here in the context by John. Do you think the authors of Scripture really want us as a church to get this? We are to be the light that lights up this world. But maybe we take it for granted because it's so easy to just put the light on every day. (laughs) We take for granted our source of light, Jesus and it's just because he's become so common to us that we forget, no, this is what the light and hope that people need. How long has it been since you lived in a lightless world? How long has it been since your world was more darkness than light? Do you remember what it feels like? And maybe that's part of it, is we haven't put ourselves in the shoes of somebody who is void of the light. You know what I'm talking about? For people who go through life-changing stuff and they have no connection to light or hope, and all of a sudden their world begins to cave in on them because they don't have any hope-filled answer. Maybe it's people who go through a tragic life event and what hits them is the overwhelming grief and grief just seems to keep piling on them and they don't have an answer or solution to get out of it. What, what then? Or maybe it's for people we need to be thinking about where division has happened in their family. Where two siblings have started to fight with one another and the, the family is divided. And they begin to actually take each other to court and they begin to sue each other. And wait a second, they, they were family. But because there's no light, there's no hope, there's no solution, my only resolve is that I, one of us has to win and it's going to be me. Or when darkness moves into their thoughts. Darkness starts to settle in in when the world is void of light. And it seems like I can't keep going. There's no purpose to my life now. My closest friends have walked out on me. And and the, the heaviness and the lies keep settling in. And begin to believe it because there's no light. Have you thought from that perspective recently? Because I believe you will not have to look very far in your world to see people who don't know the name of hope. They don't know that hope can be found in Jesus. Let me give you Paul's words here, 1 Thessalonians 5. But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness. You are not in darkness. You are the children of light, the children of the day, 1 Thessalonians 5.5. 5. Take a hold of these verses. Remind yourself, because there is an enemy. He's going to tell you, you're in the dark. <laughs> I'm going to knock your lights out. <laughs> you can say, no, no, I'm a child of the light. I'm a child of God's. Let me read out to you, as we finish this message, Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' words. And again, I'm reading them in the Amplified so you can hear the emotion and the heart behind this. This is what Jesus says about you, church. You are the light of Christ to the world, a town built on a hill that cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and your moral excellence. And then they will recognize and honor and glorify your Father who is in heaven. You are to be a light to this world because you have the light of Christ shining in you. Does that excite you? Or does that cause you to back away in fear? Let me ask again. Does that excite you? Oh, good. If it causes you to back away in fear, it's time for you to come to the source of light again, to come close to Jesus and say, Lord, I, want to, I don't want to just know about you. I want to live with you. I want to walk life with you every day. Church, I encourage you to let the light shine into you. Let the life of Christ light you up. I used to get intimidated by the thought of going and sharing my faith with others because I thought it was about what I did and what I had to say. What I realized is if the more I hang out with Jesus, the more he's going to rub off on me. And then I just show up and people say, why are you glowing so much? Why are you smiling? How can you have hope in a time like this? Well, let me tell you, because I have a source that gives me light to see my way. Church, that is you and I. We are filled with the light of Christ and we're called to shine it out. When we do, then people are gonna correlate the light we have with the eternal hope that we carry. And then they're gonna ask you, Tell me about your hope. Tell me the name and the source for your hope. And you're going to say, I know the name of hope. It's Jesus. Would you stand? Mm. Yes, Lord. Let's talk to him. Just quiet your heart. Stand before him in this way to say, Lord, yeah. Let your message sink into my life right now. Speak, God, to me. Mm, Speak, Lord. Yes, Father. Father God, we believe that you are the way maker because you can shed light on our way. God, we believe that you are the miracle worker because with you all things are possible. Father, we are so thankful that you are a promise keeper. You keep all your promises. And we want to see them all come to fruition, manifest, experienced in our lives. We believe, God, you turn darkness into light. You bring light to the darkness. That's what we believe, Father. And God, as your sons and daughters stand here absorbing the truth, the reality that they are the children of light, may your presence in them just begin to stir and increase the amplification of your light in their lives. I invite you just to keep your eyes closed, keep your heads bowed, and I'm gonna give opportunity for anyone who's in the room here or even maybe watching live stream who has never experienced the light of Christ light up their lives. If you're here this morning and you're hearing me talk about this and just thinking, oh, I've got way more darkness than light. I know about God. I know there's his son, Jesus, but I haven't experienced what Brian's describing as an intimate relationship where his presence transforms you and gives you hope and forgives you of sin. If you're here this morning and you say, I need the light of Christ, Jesus in me as Savior and Lord, and you want me to lead you in a prayer this morning, I invite you just to raise your hand so I can see it. Because I want to lead you, lead us in a prayer so that you can receive Jesus Christ who will dispel the darkness of sin in your life, forgive you and bring the hope of eternal life. If that's you, just make sure I can see you so I can lead us in prayer this morning. I don't wanna miss out the opportunity. Yeah. Just one more moment. Just make sure I see you if you want me to lead you in this prayer. Then let me ask the second question, still with hearts bowed heads bowed, eyes closed. If you realize in the midst of this message this morning that your light has faded, whether you've let somebody else put a bowl over it or maybe you've let it be snuffed out in some way because of your habits, your activities, you've strayed away from God in some way that you just feel like your life is void of light. You maybe had it at one time, But you recognize this morning, I want light back. I want life back. I want hope of Jesus in me. And you want to renew your walk with Christ this morning. I invite you to do the same thing. Just raise your hand and look at me so I can lead us to pray this morning. If that's you, I just want to make sure nobody's going out here stone cold. simply because they didn't have an opportunity to say yes to Jesus. Yeah, I see that hand back there. Yes, I see that hand there. Don't go out of here void of light when you can walk out of here filled with the hope of Jesus Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. Heavenly Father, you as the eternal source of life and hope, joy, we come to you today and God, we recognize that Jesus is the light of the life that we want For the hands that have gone up this morning saying, I'm cold and I need the warmth and love of the Father again. God, I ask you to meet them right where they are. Come Holy Spirit and begin to stir your presence, your forgiveness of sin in their lives. They are forgiven through Jesus Christ. And as they reach out in faith and say, Jesus is my Lord. Father, may they experience your Holy Spirit right now speaking to them, bringing forgiveness, bringing hope, cutting off the lies, dispelling the darkness. God, I ask that you would bring, mm, that you would come in your intimate, special way as a loving Father, a forgiving Savior, and a present spirit.